Hello, bold and conscious leader. Welcome to our new and refreshed 2022 season of the Bold Conscious Connections podcast, where we bring to you people who have shown special courage, character, and consistency to express themselves fully. After all, as long as we're alive, we want to live a full life, don't we? So our guests that we bring demonstrate that they do not want to die with their gifts because we're all meant to be given gifts that we share with others. And this is how we play our part in raising our collective consciousness in this world through this podcast called Bold Conscious Connections. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest today. If there is one living master of wisdom, it is Guy Finley. Oh my God. This conversation I had with him is just full of nuggets that you must listen to. If there's one episode you want to listen to, it's this one. So who is Guy Finley? Guy Finley is the best-selling author of more than 45 books and audio albums on self-realization, including The Secret of Letting Go, The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, and his newest book, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. He's the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery located in Southern Oregon. Guy is a faculty member at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and at 1440 Multiversity. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Guy Finley. Live here now. Guy, I have to say this to you. Um, you know, growing up when I was in my teens, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, I grew up in India. Um, so so um, I happened to visit his ashram and, and his books. So one of the biggest books that influenced me in my early stage was uh, early stage of my life was my experiments with truth truth and 50 plus years later you are you become a mentor that you don't even know you are to me and uh, so I really appreciate you being a guest here and I'm really honored to speak with you so thank you uh, Raju you're very welcome and uh, I'm so glad that the ideas that I speak about uh, have a house inside your heart uh, with the door wide open. Nothing's more important or more valuable. Well, I appreciate it. So um, our listeners tend to be from a variety of walks of life, typically business people or people who want to, you know, become more conscious or are sort of conscious, but not bold enough. Uh, you know, my book just came out called Bold Conscious Leadership, How to Feel Free in a Restricted World. So everything, everything we do, the work that I do, uh, has to do with bold and conscious. So bold, conscious connections is this, is this podcast, for example, and our programs are called Bold Conscious Leadership. So it's, it's really about leadership, personal leadership that translates to other, th other things in people's lives. So yes. stories make the world go around. And, and just by way of background for people that may not know you, can you tell us your story as to why when you were so expressive and you were expressing in life as through music in your younger days uh everything people aspire for and you you started this connection with your uh, with yourself uh with music and then what led you to to do the work you're doing that led to i know you went overseas etc but let let you speak about that and what led to life of learning oh raju uh I, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start other than I think a good place 
for us as individuals and for everyone who might be joining us is that if I was to uh, state very clearly that none of the things that I went through in my life, uh, including the what seems to be a gradual journey from a secular uh, world experience to a spiritual life, it was all built into the into the recipe. I, I came into this life uh, wanting answers from the time I was six or seven years old to questions that I didn't even know how to ask. My father was a, an immensely successful man, Time Magazine man of the decade uh, in his field, uh, a front runner in multiple uh, endeavors, enterprises, uh, entrepreneur. And because of that, I was raised with the children of the celebrity intelligentsia of the day. People don't even know anymore, but the Martins, the Sinatras, the Minnellis, uh, uh, the Arnezes, they were my best friends, their children. And there wasn't a time from again, seven, eight years old, that I didn't sense something was wrong. Uh, and it was even more confusing because as a child, you're not only living in somewhat the lap of a luxury that you don't even know is luxury because it's your life. Uh, and But you know that there's something wrong. There's fear, there's anger, there's these states in people. They don't want you to ask certain questions about why things are. So I just... It just started that way. And uh, my early writings from eight, nine, ten years old morphed into writing lyrics and music uh, that never changed in the uh, intent, the query of those lyrics, those questions. And then however that happened, then suddenly uh, I'm the first my partner and I are the first white soft rock artist with Motown Records. You know, I, I don't know how that happens, uh, but it did. And then we go on and then I'm working with Neil Diamond. I mean, I, these are things I, if I told you how that happened, I'd be a liar. Everything progressed because of a certain wish in my heart that was never thwarted, never, never misdirected. So in my mind, Everything that has unfolded is unfolded because there was something that was bound and determined to lead to this process of discovery that gradually led to the immense dissatisfaction that I had with the, the success that I had achieved. And that progressed into, well, this isn't working. I better find something that will. And lo and behold, I'm wandering around the world, putting my forehead to people's feet, hoping that somebody is going to give me some kind of shock to pot and shake me awake, you know, and, and, uh, and that didn't work. Not that I didn't meet some brilliant individuals, but everything threw me back on myself. And when that was all there was, that's what became the task. And that's, if you want to use the words in a nutshell, which is a good expression, how uh, I wound up being the man you're talking to. <laughs> wow. And how long has this journey been? I know you, you uh, at what point in life do you think? I, I know you're, you've declared it many times that you're 72 or something like that. Um, I'll be 74 in a couple months. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would say that uh, 
it started around the age of seven. Uh, I started writing and teaching in my early, actually before I was 30. So I've been, I've been teaching for almost 44, 45 years and writing books for about that long. So this, this dissatisfaction that you mentioned occurred around that time when that's you, um, I mean, was there, yeah, something, I w- was there a turning point that you can point to that? Oh God, I can point to a story there <laughs> somewhere. I, guy. Could, I could point to a hundred of them, Raju. Most people don't know this. It's not something I talk about, but in high school, I was the first junior at my high school to win a full scholarship uh, to SC. Hmm. And the last game of my junior year, I get tackled and I've been paralyzed my left leg from the knee down since I was 17 years old. Uh, I've had things thrown at me that I wouldn't change for all the money in the world, but that were definitive. uh, What's the word when interventions in the path of my life. And I could, I could run off a list of them uh, where it was so clear something had decided that that was not where I was going and that I was going to go where this was going to take me, whether I liked it or not. And mostly I didn't like it at the time, but it brought forth so many um, habitual negative states, you know, self-pity, anger, all these things that we think are very human responses to being or having our dreams rejected only to find out that by the grace of God are our dreams rejected so that we can realize another order of consciousness that can allow for the things we dream, but that is not a captive of them. Hmm. Well, that's beautifully said because, you know, ultimately my goal here is to bring out things you don't normally talk about because they get, people get to know you at a deeper level. Maybe they get stuff that you already have freely available on life of learning. We'll talk more about that in a second. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, speak to me a little bit about, uh, you, you mentioned Vernon Howard many times, and how did that come about? Was it on your path to discovery of yourself outside when? Oh, very well. Back? Well, yeah, I, uh, I had gone a couple times overseas and come back a couple times uh, completely and I'll be careful here, discouraged with the idea that someone was going to do something to me as I dreamt and read about and hoped that would change me from the inside out. And lo and behold, I didn't know that this discouragement and disappointment was an essential part of being changed from the inside out. But at the time, you don't know it. So Upon returning, I think it was in 79, uh, I had been working with a a very well-known Indian, I will not bring up his name, who had come to the United States, a a guru, uh, helping him establish his work because I loved this man. He had a heart of gold, uh, but Baba couldn't, he, he couldn't do that's not their thing. I mean, you can be stirred. You can be quickened by the 
energy of a man or a woman who is more or less awake. There's no question about that. And that's part of the attraction. But all they're doing is heating up an element in yourself that they can't keep heated for you. You have to recognize that you have the potential to be in relationship with this flame that is a part of this life divine, but that if you want that relationship, you're going to have to cut ties with everything that you think is doing that to you. It's a one-on-one. Bottom line, I, I, I uh, told this man, this Indian man, I was done. I couldn't go on doing what I knew was not going to change me. He was disappointed, but by the grace of God, he understood. He must have gone through something like that himself. And as I was leaving that night, this man came up to me, followed me outside, and I didn't particularly like him because I knew him for about the same period of time. And he handed me a piece of paper. He said, you know, if you really want to find an awakened man, this guy, he's going to be talking in North Hollywood tomorrow. Uh, You should go hear him. And I, I looked at the piece of paper. It said Vernon Howard said something about Hollywood Boulevard. And I said, thanks. I crumpled up the piece of paper, Raju, and I threw it away. (laughs) And at the time I was living in Malibu, which is quite a distance from North Hollywood. And with God as my witness, I woke up nine o'clock next to my fiance. And I said, I got to go. So where are you going? I said, I'm not sure. I got to go look for somebody. (laughs) And I I drove from Malibu onto and found Hollywood Boulevard and drove up and down that street until I found a church with a lot of cars in it. And I thought, this got to be the place. I went in halfway through Mr. Howard's presentation talk, and I didn't like him. But afterwards, I went up to him and, and thinking... In my arrogance, you know, certainly he'll recognize that there's something unique about me. <laughs> and he he looked at me and he drilled me with these gray blue eyes. And he said, I know all about you. But it wasn't like, I'm glad to see you. Yes. It was like, I know something about you that you don't know about yourself. And I I didn't like that either. And the next weekend, I drove to Boulder City, Nevada, where he was talking to a group of 20 or 30 people. He was a very small teacher in in the eyes of the world at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I spent the next 14 years with with Mr. Howard, became close with him, became the West Coast director of his spiritual school until he died. And he died uh, in 92. And at his bequest, more or less, without instructions, told me that I would one day have a work of my own. I didn't want to break up the, 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 the foundation that he had established, and I just split. I, dro- I, I moved to another part of California and didn't talk for a year, but then began giving talks and so to speak, everything came out of that. So there's the history. Sorry to take so much time with it, but oh, it, no, this it's is interesting. Great. Yeah. I had no idea about this. Um, so, so that's that's what led to the setting up or life formation of life of learning. Of your yes, sir. History yeah. is very important sometimes. 
um, the only thing I, I came to this country in 1979 and then this, this time you left to go find yourself and I'm still <laughs> looking for myself. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it is at first a, 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 an almost constantly difficult journey, but there does come a point, Raju, when I can promise you that you, you start to understand it isn't Raju that's making this journey. And when you start to realize that another order of yourself that started you on this journey, but that it must finish the journey for you, a lot of that uh, trouble, a lot of that difficulty disappears and your life takes on a different order of relationship with, with, with life itself. Oh, I, having nearly died six times, including the tsunami in 2004, and then, you know, other things that have happened, those are the things that propel you either forward or take you down and it's whatever means you'll give it to, to life give to life to totally get it so um switching gears a little bit this idea of being unleashed unstoppable guy and then the fear and doubt that sets in when we we want we have this wishful idea that we want to be unleashed and unstoppable in the world yeah. and we end up doing nothing because we have all that on the same spectrum of, of this doubt and fear and courage, we kept it, we don't move. So it's inaction or being frozen and we keep looking for an answer elsewhere. That's your, I know that's the center of what you do, but what well, would make us act despite the fear and does seeking help or asking for help work or what other ways can we become really stoppable, unstoppable? Sorry, that's a mouthful of a question or questions. No, 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 it's, it's good. I want to collect it for a moment. First, the inertia that you speak of that inevitably follows on the heels of every disappointment is not separate from the motivation and the momentum of something imagined by a human being that would make them whole. So that I call it living in the land of becoming, where everything about my life is predicated on an identity derived from who I hope to be, what I hope to have, including my enlightenment or my physical enrichment. Makes no difference. All the same nonsense. All born of a mind divided that's forever trying to discover how it can make itself whole, but failing to see that it is an incomplete sense of oneself that lays out the path. Uh, what is whole doesn't try to become whole. What is whole is whole. What is strong is strong. Weakness looks for strength. Fear looks for courage. Poverty looks for wealth. And when we understand that unseen dichotomy in this consciousness, then gradually we start to recognize that this inertia that I feel because I can't go forward is because I don't know who I am or what to do in order to go forward. And that's the real beginning. Because until we start in the right place, Raju, what hope do we have of coming to an answer as to who and what I am? Because at the root of all of this, we may not want to recognize it. Everything I search for in this life is to answer a question that was seated in me before I took on this body. Who am I? 
What is my responsibility in this world and to myself? And until we address the real question, every answer will be a deflection of that. Because when I ask who I am, like in my early days, my mind would tell me, well, you know, the, the Variety magazine said you're the next Gene Krupa drummer. Uh, my dad says I should already have this, that, and the other. My religion tells me that this is what a successful person is. My family has a certain history of, of entrepreneurship. I should be an entrepreneur if I want to be a happy human being. But you see, we fail to see how dysfunctional everyone who has achieved what you want to achieve is. I mean, my God, you don't have to be a genius. I was lucky because I was born in a world where I call it people trying to get to the top of the mountain. It's a treasure dump. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a garbage dump because it's made up of all these things that we ascribe as necessary for our contentment. And when our contentment is dependent upon conditions outside of us, then that means our identity is connected to those conditions. And when the conditions change as they must, guess what happens to my identity? I see that it was, all, it was already bankrupt. There was nothing there. And that's when we hit these depressions, these disappointments, so forth and so on. So now, to answer your question, I had to set the stage. That's great. I love it. How do we become unstoppable? By finally understanding there is no moment that comes in our life, including this very one where I am speaking to you and you listening to I, that hasn't been established for the purpose of revealing to me something about myself that if I accept the revelation, then I am no longer apart from the moment. And if I'm no longer apart from the moment, Raju, there's no me to be afraid of it. There's no me to want something from it. So a shorter version is a man or a woman has to get so tired of allowing fear to tell them who they are and what they must do to be fearless that that day comes when they say, I will no longer let fear be my God. Fear will not be my guide. The, the sense of being inadequate will not tell me how to become adequate. Instead, I will sit within the awareness of this consciousness itself until by the act of the divine, that consciousness will be revealed to me and I will be released from my captivity, my unconscious captivity to its incessant dreaming and the dreamer that it creates. Wow. Just to unpack that could take a, take a long time. I'm going to have to listen to this several times. But does, does the part about acting despite the fear, because we, you know, I often show that this is the spectrum. This is the fear. That's the anger, uh, the courage, same spectrum, which side of you are leaning on in the moment, because it's changed, changes every moment. What is the way to then act despite the fact that there was fear and is there i don't we're not looking for any tools or magic but you're saying it's the it's the very awareness of the moment that will tell you <laughs> go with it because ultimately i need to act or do something okay so here's fear yeah 
And here's the courage I need to get past the fear. Yep. Yes. Does the courage to get past the fear exist without the fear? No, it doesn't. Or is the courage simply the opposite of the fear? It is the opposite of the fear. It's the same spectrum. And if the courage is the opposite of the fear, then everything that I do courageously to get rid of the fear is secretly the extension and continuation, literally the reincarnation of that consciousness of fear. They are one thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I see that, do I have to think to myself, what do I do? Or does the whole question of how do I become courageous disappear and I'm left with the, in quotes, courageous action of recognizing that of myself, I don't have a clue what it means to be courageous other than to courageously face the fact that I do not know what to do in this moment of fear and to remain in that moment of not knowing what to do suddenly places me, watch, here's the fear, here's my courage, here's me jumping back and forth, and I'm no different than either side, and suddenly I, I, the whole thing comes to a halt, and I see what is above the opposites. I become one with the observer, the impersonal witness to that unconscious personal identification. And suddenly, for the first time, I see something I've never seen, not about the moment, but about the me that makes the moments into what that me makes them. Oh, that's what I was hoping for. That's what I was waiting for. Because the observer and the observer being the one, and that, that is the whole game of life, is when you see it in that moment, you can see both sides and say, oh. Yeah. And then, and then, and then <laughs> I'm laughing and... and it, because for the longest time, this is not fun. <laughs> I, I, I can, and and you know what? It's it, it's it's the it's the beauty and the terror. It's the beauty and the terror. But at a point, Raju, and anyone who's still listening to us, you 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 just you understand that. The thing that you have feared your whole life is the place that you find the freedom. Rumi said, in the venom is the antidote. The antidote is in the venom. Mm -hmm. Well, if I find out that the antidote to fear is in the fear itself, then that means I'm going to have to go through a certain kind of development of an appreciation for this emptiness that comes when I don't have anything to identify with. Because what is fearful to us is to not know who we are or to have who we think we are get interfered with by a condition that threatens it. That's to us what emptiness is, the inertia, the dead end. Right. And yet that's where we have to get to inwardly to recognize clearly enough that there's no emptiness that isn't filled. It's a divine law. So that rather than constantly trying to fill the cup and then fearing it being emptied, I recognize the cup is greater than anything that comes into it or goes out of it. 
The cup is there before the content. <laughs> the consciousness is there before the experience that it gives us. And we can, we can start to have a, a, an awakened relationship with another order of ourselves that's already there. Mm. It's just, we just have to outgrow this lower consciousness by recognizing willingly and accepting what happens when we see it is limited. It cannot take us where it promises. Fear cannot deliver you into anything other than something else you will fear, period. All right. So I'm going to link back to what you said earlier about the, the perceived treasure that exists on top of the mountain that you were born into, right? And there's yeah. the other side of it. People born into all sorts of, you know, poverty or very, very low, whatever horrible. Uh, conditions. Horrible. Horrible. Yes, particularly where I come from. And there's other countries in that. Maybe not I so remember. bad today, but it's, it's still horrible. No, I, I, I had so many shocks, Raju, wandering through the different places in India that I did, I, it was just unbelievable to me. The abject poverty, yes. the, the horror of it, you know, uh, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Well, I was so I was, I was there as recently as 19, uh, 2020, just at the top of the pandemic. And so while things are different between 1979 and 2020, it's still, it's still quite, quite appalling when you oh, compare yeah. it to where we are. Oh, yeah. So forgetting the comparison, yeah. it just, when when you're in that mode and you're just surviving in life, where does this sort of, what would trigger? It would be, it would be such a rare person that actually then is aware and rises from that through con, you know consciousness. And I'm not talking about just about the, the wealth or whatever they might be, uh, you know, what's in their conscious consciousness to go after. They are just full of fear of one moment to the next. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have you know, some people in this, you know, who came out of that and who who are have risen to to, to be who they are and executives. What kind of insight would they walk away from what you just said earlier? Well, if they have indeed risen, meaning that at least at the at least at the physical level they have uh, risen above their their environment, their culture, all the rest of that. If, if at least they've done that. Hold on. Alexa, I didn't ask for anything. Please stop talking. <laughs> yeah, you're, wel you're welcome. <laughs> I think you should leave that in. It's funny. She started talking about it something. Yeah, it's, it, anyway, so a man or a woman who has done what? What, have they act what does that rec represent? I'm born into a level of, of this world, socially, environmentally, culturally. And I managed to escape it physically. I escape it perhaps because the depth of my desire is such that it creates a persistence that others don't have. Because what is persistence other than the continuation of a sudden realization after the condition that produced that realization passes. That's what persistence is. I see something. Most of us see something. We vow to change, but we can't persist. But if I, but if I see something so clearly, then something in me persists past the 
momentary identification that always distracts me. And then I, I go this, I become a jack of all trades and master of none. Mm. So the, the first thing to point out is that what they already know, the, the, at least I hope they know, they, meaning that man or woman, did not lift themselves out of that. God help us if we think we are the ones who took ourselves out of a circumstance. Because if I'm the one who took me out of a circumstance, then I will be the one who hates me when the circumstances change. And once again, I can't do that. I will not mention her name, but one of the most world famous actresses that ever lived was like my godmother. And when her TV series, a stream of 20 years of successful TV series were canceled, she went crazy. And then a year later determined because of her greatness, the way she saw herself, that she was going to come back and conquer the comedy world again. Mm -hmm. And not only did she not conquer the comedy world again, but her new series bombed, which led her to depression and some form of addiction. Now, if I'm really that great talent who lifted myself out the first time, why can't I be that great talent the next time? And the answer is I wasn't the one who lifted myself out. I had a certain tendency. It aligned with a period of time that allowed for its expression. And now I have to be the one who recognizes my success can't be separated from the conditions that allowed it. I didn't create the conditions. So here's the point. We are capable of creating careers. But we are not first and foremost creators. We are first and foremost creations. And our first responsibility is to being a creation. And when that is our first and foremost responsibility, then what we create comes and goes, but it doesn't bother our established interior relationship with the creator. So that's first and foremost. Lastly, those men and women who have risen, if they're listening here, it's because they're still looking for something. And what is it that I'm still looking for if I've been able to adorn myself with most of what the world says I should have to be happy? Why in the name of God am I not happy? <laughs> I, I own millions of dollars in property. Uh, I have a career most people would die for. I drive a good car. I eat good organic food. I mean, fill in the blanks. You know what we would call the top of the garbage heap, you know, the top of the pile there. Yes. And, and, I, and I, can, I, I sit at home and think to myself, I don't want to go to work today. I'm bored. I don't want to go through this. I, I got to go talk. I got to go this, do this again. Come on. Hmm. Now, that, I call that divine dissatisfaction. And it's divine in its nature because I have, to one extent or another, given myself virtually everything the world can give me. And I have to deal with the fact that what the world has given me isn't enough for something in me. So apart from greed and ambition, I have to recognize there is something in me that longs to drink from another kind of cup, that wants another kind of food. And I'm not going to find it out there, no matter how much I have. Not to say that the rest of them that did not rise, even in the physical realm, they, they just, I mean, they're, they're given divine consciousness too. Well, look, see, Roger, okay, look, here's, yeah, no, this is beautiful because it opens up this extraordinary picture. See, as men and women, we're always comparing ourselves. 
This consciousness only knows to identify with something it compares itself to. What if there's a bigger picture? What if the very people we're talking about, and God help them that their suffering isn't too extreme? What if what you and I have done in this world, what those men and women were talking about who have risen above the cream, so-called above the, the milk? What if I understand that those that part of what I did in my life, I couldn't have done without seeing what I couldn't be? So that the very people that I'm, I'm worried about actually serve the purpose of helping me become someone who may go on and help others. William Blake, he talked about being able to see this bigger picture beyond the the howling of the waves, the roaring of the wolves, something that that it hidden in the grain of a sand, something timeless. We belong, our true nature belongs to something timeless that is working itself out through our consciousness in this world so that you can't separate those that you see suffer from your capacity to feel the suffering they have and in your awareness of their suffering to want not only to bring an end to your own and understand it but in the understanding of your suffering realize that their suffering serves a purpose too they may never know it but it's still part of this greater evolution of the consciousness if we can participate in that evolution Beautifully said. I know um, the first time I encountered you about two years ago, you you got me by saying you're here to participate in life, and that's what. Then I started to listen more to what you what you what you were saying, and yeah, and I yeah. think it's it's feeling all of it. It's not just you run away from negative emotion and the anger and the frustration, but feel it all. It's what you do with it in that moment. It's not about expressing it necessarily at your wife or husband or whatever. You could too in that moment, but you're aware of all of that that is happening inside of you. At once. At once. My, I, I, I am. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to express this because there's a, a point connected to this, this business. Our world today. Uh, is dedicated to deceiving human beings, stealing from them the possibility of authentic individuality, not identity politics, not all of that which is going on today in the world, but beginning to recognize, for instance, that tolerating humanity is not compassion for humanity. Absolutely. Tolerance is a form of superiority. Compassion is born out of recognizing there is no Raju and his consciousness separate from Guy's consciousness, that it is our consciousness. It is our pain. It is our poverty. It is our anger. And only as I recognize that, then do I begin to have compassion for those who bring this anger, this fear, this doubt. They bring it up. They're, they're radiating it and it stirs the corresponding consciousness in this instrument. And if I'm present to it, then I cannot punish someone for what I know is myself. Hmm. So I die to myself, which is the true act of compassion. I give myself up so that I don't give someone else more sorrow, more pain. 
Then the Christ is born, the Buddha is revealed. The true I am appears because it's not separate from any condition that it is participating in in that moment. Hmm. So in these words that we use, conscious and bold, like in, in, in my, my work, which is about coaching and, and teaching, yes. yeah. etc. Yeah. Yeah. We, we say somewhere in, in the book, and we often talk about it, consciousness has three levels. One is life is happening to me. Second level is life is happening by me. I'm in charge. I make things happen. Or what we think is truer is life is happening through me or for me. You know, some people say for me, but through me, because it's, it's the reflective of, of where we are in the moment and in yes. the world. Yes. Is, is that a fair definition? <laughs> Has that passed muster with Guy Finley? You know, it's, it's great. Except for one thing. Okay. All of that is happening at the same time. <laughs> My take is, oh, that happened to me. And that happened by me. No, wait. That's not good. That's not happening through me. But it's all taking place at the same time. And we have an order of consciousness that is capable of participating in what is acting on me, what I do with what is acting on me, and the fact that the me it's acting on is actually passing through me, and there's no one there that that's happening to. It's just life revealing itself through me, to me, so that I can know my life in the divine. That's so beautifully said, and I got to figure out how to... But yeah, it is, it is, so, it is so true. So when we... Um, I mean, this applies beautifully to golf analogies and, you know, I, I, I play a little bit of golf and you're an avid golfer too. Um, oh, where do you live? Where do you live, Raju? Well, I'm a native New Yorker. I've lived for 40, there for 42 years, but a year ago I moved down to South Carolina near Hilton Head. You know, Hilton Head is the capital. Oh, of sure. sure. I'm just saying maybe one day if the fates, yeah, if the fates allowed, we could go uh, have a little round of uh, golf and, Laugh at ourselves my, and will be my honor. So, so <laughs> I live within within ten miles of about fifty golf courses. So it's uh, very yeah, sweet. So, um, I mean, I'm quite one and at quite a low level of the game, and I'm okay with it because I only started playing when I was 45, 20 years ago, no, twenty one years ago. I I used to complain a lot, but I don't because I've learned through that. Each shot is that one one shot that I've got. I can't worry about the one that just hit, I hit. I do not play with anyone, anyone more than once if they are constantly bitching and moaning about their shots because I feel like, I mean, I'm judging Agreed. them, but the point is that I it's just I tedious to go out with the same person over and over. All he says is, God damn it. Sorry, you know, uh, whatever. And it's like, it's not worth it. Yeah, so, no, it's so, not. Of course, I do get frustrated internally with with sometimes when my muscle memory fails in in those things. You you have to you have to. <laughs> <laughs> but but talk talk a little bit about guy about what do you do when a putt headed perfectly perfectly into the hole <laughs> and it lifts out at the end. It's there. It's going in, and then you're about to pick up the ball and it lifts out at the end, or you hit a bad yeah. shot but it gets a lucky kick. A lucky kick back into the fairway, even though it's destiny I thought was somewhere else. So that's the flip side of it. Oh, 
What do you do? You watch. I'll tell you something. This is personal for me. I started when I was 50. I'm 74, 73, 74. I'm not that far behind, guy. I'm 67. And and here's the deal. It's taken all these years to be able to go play a bad round and not leave the course negative. Uh, and, and it's amazing because it, it, we live without knowing it, Raju. In fact, I'm I'm going to talk about this. I know that this will be shown later, yeah. but if anyone's interested, they can go back and uh, look for this uh, on my website, which I know we'll mention. Mm-hmm. Yes. Our consciousness creates an I, a sense of myself, that is always after the fact. And I don't know I'm identified with winning the hole. I don't know I'm identified with hitting the shot the way I've imagined it. I can say I'm not, but that's a, a load of hooey. Yes. I, I, I am identified with a world that my consciousness has anticipated before I enter into the moment of that world. And I have no idea that I bring with me, not I, but that literally this consciousness brings with it this almost unending content of expectation and demand that when expectation and demand is not met by the outcome of that moment, then that expectation and demand delivers a a fatal blow telling me, oh no, that's wrong. Why is it like that? That shouldn't be this way. So that I am forever living after the fact, being defined by a consciousness that gives me a definite sense of myself, but whose sense of self is as false as the time in which it was brought into existence. So that uh, gradually you start to recognize here comes the reaction it's like it, it, it's like uh, it, would you open if you could open your front door and open your back door at the same time so that any bugs that flew in flew out the door at the same moment that's what you would do because you don't want to be bugged by the mosquito mm-hmm. well we open the front door and screen off every other uh, uh, possibility of that I, that sense of self exiting. When you realize that the I that enters should be the I that exits at the same time, the experience is intended to pass through, not collect you and turn you into a mess, yes. then you begin to drop this resistance and you begin to experience life as a different order of man. Wow. That is so insightful, guy. I mean, again, as I said all day, if, if I need to be uplifted, I go listen to listen to your words from Wednesday or Sunday because I am readily I'm readily back into feeling life because otherwise it's easy to complain about why that thing didn't happen or what didn't go in Absolutely. or whatever. So and, I want to God help yeah, and may God help may God help you and me and all of us who have this dissatisfaction. Listen to this prayer. May it get worse. 
may the dissatisfaction grow, not the consolation, but the dissatisfaction, because the true spiritual life rests within that, not in finding ways to get around it or convince myself that tomorrow it won't be this way. I I live and die in the moment, said St. Paul, mm-hmm. unless the kernel of corn abides in the ground and dies alone. All these things, east and west, are about the same process, and we've been talking about it. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted no, to no, say this, that. This is a beautiful clarification. So I want to end on, um, I have I have so many questions, but maybe we'll just, because you know, we can always bring you back on a live interview as opposed to a podcast interview. Sure, sure. Um, Old conscious is what we use, as I said, for leadership. So I've heard you talk about ambition somewhat negatively. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, we define bold in our in our work here as number one being has five components. Just our own definition: ambitious, decisive, convinced or convicted of of something you really want to do, heart led and humble. So those. Heartland and humble are part of it. Talk about contradictions. Yeah, please show me. (laughs) I'm humble in my aggression. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with ambition, Raju. Mm -hmm. You have to go through it. But at least let's learn from it. Mm. We don't learn from our ambition that our ambition can't free us. If I got to the point where I've seen all of my life, I reach a certain point on top of the hill and I'm still trying to get to some top. It's not enough. I want a little bit more of that. If I could just learn from that, then when the ambition comes up, it's not going to... Look, if I have the love of something, I can't fail. Because the love of something will take me into and through what I love. And if it's the true love of something, love will deliver me from whatever I was obsessed by that I had made an image of so that I will come to the completion of that. And when I come to the completion of that, I come to the completion of that particular level of consciousness and it must pass. And when it passes, the new ambition the new wish, the new desire will take its place until at last a man or a woman realizes I don't have to have a desire. I don't have to have an ambition. I have to answer to what the moment is asking me to do, period. And if I do that successfully, then I will achieve being in relationship with the moment, with myself, and therein is the contentment I'm looking for. Hmm, man. What can I say? I'm just so, so happy and delighted you you agreed to come um, to speak with us, uh, Guy. It's been, I guess it was meant to be. And somewhere along the line, it was, you know, when you you were chatting within the Q&A with, with, with a lady and you said you, she was talking about you doing this for youth so they can get this on early in their lives. It's Trying what to. drove me to to say, hey, then would you mind coming to to this audience and then i was so happy to hear that you you were just happy to right. share and so share your time one, one one comment before we begin to close this up because i want to address bold and uh, leadership Con- and all the rest of that bold conscious, conscious leader. leader yeah 
What is a real leader? What is a real leader? Is a real leader someone who always looks behind them to see if others are agreeing with what the path is he's chosen? I mean, when you think of the true leaders, and by the way, Steve Jobs or individuals like that had a very definitive spiritual life. Mm-hmm. They did not find themselves that, 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 that what they created was an aspect of their self-exploration. And to the point, a leader is always alone, but never without the awareness of those who or he or she leads. They are, I, I use this expression, it, it, an icebreaker. How many, how many points are there on the, on the prow of that heavy metal that's shattering that ice? How many points are there where that hits the ice? Or is there just one point? Mm-hmm. And it always runs into something it cannot know what it's running into. But it always does so boldly because it understands it is created to break that ice. It is created to break into that moment and to open a path into places unknown not to create a path to something I already know, because if I'm creating a path to somebody I already know, why am I going there? See, that's the problem. Ambition is me pursuing an image of what I will be like when I'm complete, when I finally get this. So you can't have ambition without image. And you can't have image without identity. And if you have identity born out of image, you have inertia, fear, doubt, worry, Because when anything challenges that identity by the conditions threatening the image, suddenly all all the game is off. The real leader is alone. The real leader is, is always in a point where it is unknown. He just has to risk it. And in this image that I'm presenting to you, the risk is, who am I without defining myself by this reaction? Everything's telling me, no, I don't want to, but love is telling me you got to go forward. You're saying you're inadequate. You can't do that. And then I understand, wait a minute, I'm not going to listen to what is telling me I'm inadequate. If this moment is for me to learn, then I'm going to go into this moment, break the ice and see what comes out of it. And there's always a path waiting where the next um, possibility presents itself. And then I begin to develop faith in being the instrument of leadership. Not me who leads, but me who understands the beauty of being at the front point, the front runner in that moment. I had to say that. <laughs> well, you you basically described what we do, bold conscious leadership. So this is a great plug, in fact, because and I didn't ask you to do any of that, but your take on this is so deep as always. And you know, if you look at the picture, we designed this cover for that reason that there is the two little mountains here, mountaintops, and there was a bridge with a man standing on top that he made it as, as long as there was a bridge. We're saying eliminate that because you got to step into the unknown here because you don't know yeah. what, what's, t- what's going to take you from here to there. You got to be yeah, bold. We're saying, we're, saying, we're saying that we don't build the bridge. We step no. onto it and each step builds the bridge. Correct. That's the bridge. Yeah. Right. So we eliminated the bridge. We said this path of going into this is you are the bridge. There is nothing else out there. If you were given an easy bridge, well, life would be so simple. Well, thank you again, uh, Guy. Uh, 
this is hopefully not the last conversation you and I will have. And I really appreciate um, you taking the time. And um, I look forward to a live one because that's that's on LinkedIn directly. And, you know, we can make mistakes. We can do whatever. It's just live. And it can be a lot of, a lot of fun. And some people might join in. Who knows? No worries. And um, will you be able to put up something or, or shall I, can I make an invitation here for people? Uh, please go ahead. So in the show notes, there'll be where to find you, Guy, and where, where you, up, you know, you, you could provide these, uh, you know, free uh, conversations and, and lectures and talks that are so insightful. So I'll put all that okay, in. That's... Is there something you want to say? Please go ahead. No, no, I think that's good enough. Just my one admonition. Uh, we can acknowledge the truth all day long. But if we don't act on that knowledge, it's useless. Follow your heart. Never mind what this says, I can, I can't, I don't understand, I'm confused. If you're drawn to something, you're drawn to it for a purpose. Allow the purpose of what you're drawn to to deliver you into the relationship inherent in that. And then use that in order to release yourself as will naturally happen when you realize that I am here on this earth to be drawn into an endless discovery of myself. And the clearer that becomes, the more endless becomes yourself so that you're not dependent on anything anymore outside of you to complete you. And that would be it. Okay, listeners, if you're still here, you better listen to this. There is, you probably don't need any more wisdom here. Just, just listen to this and start your journey or continue your journey. It's the work we all need to do. Thank you so much, Guy. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Raju. Nice to talk to you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. We strive to bring you conversations that make you think, reflect, and perhaps inspire you to take even one little step in your path towards personal growth and greater wisdom. Please download the show or the podcast episode that you just heard and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring you meaningful and relevant topics in the future. Take care and thank you so much.